0: Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host Manpreet aka MMA Lock of the Night and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week we're going over UFC Mexico City which is headlined by Yair Rodriguez and Jeremy Stevens. Should be a great fight and we also got uh, Carlos Esparza against the hometown girl Alexa Grasso in the co-main event as well. So very interesting. position that both of those ladies are in uh and i think a win here could mean uh closer to a title shot maybe one more fight away from a title shot for them so that should be uh very important uh but we're gonna start off the episode like we always do with the casuals we got my man big rob doing the air drums on my left right now (laughs) yeah what's going on guys (laughs) all right all right so we're gonna show him uh the main event of this past weekend which was donald cowboy Cerrone and justin gaethje hey buddy um I just want to make sure that he's okay. We good? <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Um, Justin Gaethje versus uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. We are just talking about fucking how good uh, Donald Cerrone has been and the fact that he's been around for eight years and he holds all these records for uh, the most fights, I think the most wins, I believe, as well, and then also the most finishes in UFC history. Okay. And he's like, how is he able to keep up this type of pace? Yeah. And uh, he goes, has he been getting finished? Has he been taking a beating? I'm mm. like, we kind of went through it all the way leading up to this fight, uh, which is going to be, I believe, his 30-something. I think I think I said 36 or something like that. 35 or 36th fight uh, since 2011, which is just fucking unheard Dude, of. it's just crazy. Just to be away. able to completely, like... Yeah, it, I, we all know. As viewers, you know who the fuck Donald Cowboy Cerrone is, how often he fights, and how good he is for how often he fights. But let's just check out what happened with him and Justin Gaethje. So we're roughly at about 1 minute and 10 seconds into... Uh, sorry, left in the first round. Um, yeah. It was a great fight leading up to this point. Like, it's everything everybody wanted. Okay. Everybody's like, yo, there's going to be a fight of the year just based on both of these guys' styles. Mm-hmm. They like to strike. Uh, They like to knock people out. Oh, what? Wow! And cowboy goes down. Oh no, he's done. He's done. So glad they stopped it. He was just getting hammered. So it was an impressive finish. That's one thing. Secondly, the reason I wanted to show it to you was, uh, you notice how he would like wanted to stop punching. You know all those times I've shown you knockouts where the guy just keeps punching and the guy clearly looks like yeah. he's out? Oh, yeah. So this is an instance of a guy not wanting to beat him anymore. Yeah, right. I mean they're kinda of, they're friends. Oh yeah. So it's kind of even harder for them to fight each other. Yeah. Uh, and then you notice right after he was like really pissed at the ref. Like he's still talking shit to the ref. Yeah, but you know what? That he he, he... watched just watch it again. Like he uh there's a left hook I think he hits him with. Right hook, right hook. Boom, Boom. right there. Okay, now he's on his knees. He's wobbled. He's clearly wobbled. Boom. Okay, knees. Boom. Okay, okay. He keeps hitting his jaw. From there.
1: Look at that. Now, now he's done. Yeah. Now you're... Look cook, even
0: there. The, the, the cook, referee he's was... He's not, even, he's not even putting his arm up to protect it. So the fight is essentially stopped as soon as the referee puts both hands on a fighter. Yeah. Or on both fighters. Whatever the fuck it sure. is. That's how he means that there's supposed to be a break in the action now. Meaning right. either the fight's over, the foul is committed, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. And uh, he was very hesitant before like Gaethje got in that last shot as well. We'll go... Let's watch that one more time. Yeah. Boom! Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go down. So one, two, see, look, he's kind of like in there, but he's not really stopping it. Yeah. This guy's pleading, "Why is the fight being stopped?" Uh, they showed a replay where he was like stumbling all over the place as well. So he was clearly out of it. Oh yeah. And now they're just like hugging and shit after <laughs> so yeah. they beat the fuck out of each other. Mainly more one side than the other. So it's it's always unfortunate with this cowboy guy because he always gets to like a title fight, and then he comes up short, or he gets to a fight that will get him a title fight, like this one probably. Uh, and he falls short. So it's great to see him continuously give victories, but he's never able to cut it. He's never been a champion. But oh, he may, he is one of the more recognizable names just because of his like cowboy persona, and he's always known as the badass. Uh, if you've ever watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, he was in that show a couple times. Oh, okay. Yeah, like he's, he's very well-known among people. Um, But, yeah, it was very, very tough to see him take that loss. Oh, man. God damn. But I'm glad that the the ref stopped it because we've seen other fights where they just keep going. Clearly out. You know, yeah, yeah. Dan Henderson against Michael Bisping. I'm not sure if I've shown you that one, but that one is one of those. The guy is coming, like, he hit him with his overhand, right? The guy completely dropped stiff. And then he comes in with an elbow. Oh, wait, I think I showed you where I told you the guy made it in his own logo, like the Jordan logo. Remember Jordan has his logo where he's putting yeah. the free throw line down? Yeah. This guy has his logo where he's like going down for an elbow. And it's just a silhouette of him, like Jordan. No, no, no. <laughs> but we got, I, I don't know. But you don't we, know. I'll show we'll I'll show check, that to we'll you check next, it on next time. Okay. For the next episode, I'll show you that okay, one. But it was cool. one of the fucking oh, funnier wild. ones that we've <laughs> ever seen. Um yeah, man. That's that's cool. pretty much it for the casuals, at least on my end. Uh, thanks for joining okay. me as always. Appreciate thank it. Thank brother. you, brother. All right, let's fucking get to the the recap of this last event, which we just spoke about, UFC Vancouver. Uh, I was thinking about poking Cerrone strictly due to the fact that technically I think he's a much better fighter than Justin Gaethje. Um, you know, the crisper fighter, the, or the, at least with the crisper strikes, the more accurate strikes. Uh, but Justin Gaethje's pressure is just fucking next level. Um, You know, it's, it's, it is what it is. He was rightfully the favorite. And even the uh, Gaethje by KO minus 150 was probably uh, the best play to go with there. Um, should have made it my lock of the night, but fuck, man, like it was a tough last event. Uh, let's quickly go over it so I can fucking exercise these demons once again. Uh, we'll start off with the lock of the night play, which was a loss, minus five units on Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, man, fucking one of the first jobs you ride haul through, kind of bust open on Carlos Jr. right away. Um, I think that's probably what st- would what have what would have stolen the round for him. Uh, you know, for the majority of that, Antonio Carlos Jr. was kind of handling with the grappling. Definitely won the third round. Uh, Could have made a really good argument to have won that first round as one judge saw it, uh, and then second round I obviously believe was Uriah Hall's. Um, I thought it was going to be uh, a little bit easier for ACJ. You know, I thought he was going to be able to sub Uriah Hall. Uh, I'll give it up to my man Gabe Killian. He called it. He goes, Uriah has never been. Uh, Uri has never been uh, submitted. He was right, but I just didn't think that he ever fought a guy with the grappling credentials and the uh, the jiu-jitsu exactly of an Antonio Carlos Jr. Um so and even the Musasi Musashi, you know, people can say that he wasn't able to submit Uriah Hall, but I don't feel like Musashi was really going for submissions more than he was trying to get the better position and then just land the better strikes, the heavier strikes. Uh so take an L there on Antonio Carlos Jr., but both of my dogs come through. Uh, would have been nice if they could have uh, at least taking me to a break even night but i didn't uh bet as much on them as i probably should have so we'll start off with the one of the first ones louis smoka versus ryan mcdonald i bet this fight under two and a half rounds considering both of their styles and the lack of uh talent on ryan mcdonald's end i thought that louis Smoker was primed for a finish here i put 0.8 units at plus 125 to profit for one unit there um yeah, Smoker finished him how I didn't expect him to. I, I expected him to take him down, or even if he got taken down, I thought he was going to be able to create a scramble and uh, get a submission. However, Ryan McDonald decides to keep it on the feet. Luis Smoker decides to keep it on the feet. I think he got one or two of his takedowns shocked, but... Didn't matter for him because he was doing work to the body. Ryan McDonald had no answer for it. I felt that Luis Smoko was actually uh, holding his hands a little bit too low, and somebody with a better counter-striking game could definitely make him pay for uh, those body shots. So this might have been like a one-and-done type of uh, game plan on Smoko's end. You know, he was giving up a lot of size against Ryan McDonald, Uh and, uh, you know, coming in with that body work really threw Ryan McDonald off his game. Uh, and then he was able to find the punches up top and put totally put out Ryan McDonald. So great win for Luis Smoka. Great hit for us as well, one unit. Uh, once again, at plus 125, I'll fucking take it. Next up, we had one that I, was a little bit hairier than I sh- thought it should have been. Uh, you know, the ACJ fight was a lot closer than I thought it should have been. Uh, the Glover-Teshera fight, I thought if it got to a certain position, which was the ground, Glover-Teshera was going to have success and get a submission. However, Nikita Kirilov's, uh submission defense Pays dividends for him. He is able to see the final bell, which is the first time he's ever seen a decision in his 32 fight career, which is ridiculous. Uh, and he loses a split decision to Glover Teixeira. So, a uh, very close fight. Glover Teixeira is showing that he can still grapple with some of these guys, not saying Nikita Grillo. Krilov is the greatest grappler out there, and he probably should have submitted Krilov. However, uh, you know, with the scrambles that Krilov was uh, was, was showcasing, Glover to show was able to stay one step ahead most of the time, uh, you know, survive an onslaught, and then come back with his own work. Uh, so we get uh, 1.24 units profited at plus 103. I'll take those dog odds on Glover any fucking day. Uh, I wish i put a little bit more on him because I was very, very confident in him. Uh, but again, people always fucking say that after they... Uh, after they lose an event. Or sorry. They, uh, they win a bet. And if they lose a bet. They're probably like. You know what. I probably shouldn't have made it a 5U bet. Or a 3U bet. Or whatever the fuck it is. But it is what it is. I'm owning, I'm owning up to my mistakes. I got to get out of this funk. Because uh, it's a v- been a very uh, unfortunate run for my Lock in the Night Plays man. Oof. Alright. I got I to gotta share this one. 0-1. 0 2 0-3, 0-4, 0-5. Yeah, five straight Lock of the Night losses. That hurts. <laughs> Especially as somebody who is branded as MMA Lock of the Night. I shouldn't be going on a very, very tough skid like this. But I feel like we're going to be getting back this weekend at UFC Mexico City. That is definitely what a degenerate says. <laughs> but I'm in this game for the fucking long haul, and we're gonna f- see this shit through. And we're gonna, I-, I know I'm talented enough to fucking do this shit. I know I can see things that p- other people can't see. Uh, I just gotta be a little bit better with it, be a little bit more uh, comf- confident in my plus money plays, and not just being pussy and putting 0.8 units or one unit on, on these things. Uh, and I feel like I'm gonna have one for this upcoming week. All right, so let's just get the fuck right into the card. Uh, apologies for all the swearing guys, it's just in my vocabulary and I can't, I can't get rid of it, I'm sorry. Uh, UFC, Mexico City, decent card all around, I heard a lot of people calling it salty, the funny thing is they call almost every card salty now, uh, so unless you're like a hardcore MMA fan that really wants to see these, uh, styles match up against each other and how they play out, uh, you're probably not going to be interested in them, but I am. You got Sergio Pettis as the first, fourth, fourth of the night, introducing Tyson Nam, uh, or I should say welcoming Tyson M to the UFC flyweight division. He's been a pretty big staple outside of the UFC, and it's you know about time that he gets uh, his due here. I believe he's stepping in on short notice against Sergio Perez as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Sergio Perez was actually supposed to fight Alex Perez. Perez hops out, and in comes Tyson M. I love that fight. I can't wait to, to get into that with you guys. Uh, Polo Race against Kyle Nelson should be fun. Martin Bravo against Steven Peterson should be a great fight as well. Uh, Irina Aldana coming back. Let's see what else we got. Uh, Askar Askarov making his UFC debut against uh, Brandon Moreno, who's coming back after winning the legacy uh, flyweight title. And then obviously at the top, we got Yair Rodriguez against Jeremy Stevens. I think it's a great fight. Um, stylistically, it should really test Yair Rodriguez. Um, I'm interested to see if he's going to be able to bounce back, uh, you know. He got that W against Korean Zombie, but I think he was losing that fight, and he was one second away from uh, receiving a decision loss. Um, I actually wanted to look up and see if they actually released the judges' scorecards leading into that uh, fifth round, uh, but I didn't actually get around to it. So if it is, it is. If it's not, it's not. But I truly think that TKZ was winning that fight going into the fifth round. Uh, And then Jeremy Stevens coming off that Zabit fight. Kind of a similar fight that he has to come up against Yair Rodriguez. Um but does he have the ingredients this time around to beat a guy that on first look looks like he fights like Zabit? We'll find out. That's why you guys are listening to my podcast because I'll break that shit down for you guys very shortly. So let's start off with the first fight of the night after I get a swig of water because my mouth is dry as fuck. I wonder if you guys know why. All right. Let's get into this bitch. Claudio Puelas versus Mario. Oh, sorry, Marcos Mariano. I saw this question floated out there on Twitter earlier this week. Why the fuck is Marcos Mariano in the UFC? Plain and simple, he was coming off of one win when he got uh, his boy Marcos Mariano to come in and step in against. La- I'm not sure if he stepped in. You know what? Let me confirm that. Um, yeah, this was actually a fight that was booked well in advance. I believe uh, Lando, Lando Venato was actually close to getting cut or actually not not even getting his uh, contract renewed after he fought Matt Favola to a draw. Um, and somehow they managed to bring him back and they put him up against one of Anderson Silva's boys on the same night that Anderson Silva is fighting Israel Adesanya. So I think it was kind of like a trade-off. Yes, I'll take this fight. I know it's a very tough fight for me. I might be a little bit slow now. He probably didn't say it in those words. But just... Let my boy hop on. Let me Artem Lobov, my guy, on over. You know what I mean? Conor McGregor did the same thing with Lobov, who never really had a very impressive uh, MMA record. However, with the graces that be and, you know, the the balls that Conor had, or at least the leverage that Conor had, enough of a leverage to get Artem Lobov in, I believe that Anderson Silva was um, just as successful and took the same method uh, to bring in his boy Marcos Mariano. So, well, Mariano, uh, very... Very poor fighter, in my opinion. You know, uh, Lando Venato was to win, was to defeat, goes on to defeat him with five seconds left in the first round with the Kimura. uh, And he was pretty much winning that fight the entire way. Marcos Mariano, you know, I just don't see him having much success against a young upstart in Claudio Pueylos, who hasn't fought since May of 2018, where he knee barred Felipe Silva in a massive comeback uh, in the third round. In a fight that he was getting completely mollywhopped in. Uh, He lost to Martin Bravo the fight before that, getting KO'd in the second round. But I think his striking is good enough to keep Marcos Mariano kind of on his his back foot. I think that he's going to be able to outstrike Mariano. I think he might even be able to finish him. Uh, My only concern here is the fact that he's been off for so long. Uh, Let's see what his odds are currently at. Minus 255. Too big of odds for me to actually bet on a kid like this. You know, he's still quite young i want to say at 23 that's definitely for sure he's 23 very young in his career and to have such a big layoff um i'm not sure you know he did have a huge layoff between the martin bravo fight and philippe silva fight and he came back and you know got whooped for two and a half rounds and then finally beat philippe silva uh but he should have a little bit easier of a night against marcos mariano so i will take polos i don't know if i'm going to bet him uh yeah, I it's hard for me to bet uh a guy. But then again, Marcos Mariano is so bad. I don't know. I, I might look at Polos in a in a parlay situation. I wouldn't, you know, want to take the risk on him with a uh as a straight bet. Um but if you can make the odds a little bit better with the parlay on a with another very compelling matchup, uh fucking take the shot. There might be something later on in the card that I would suggest parlaying him with. Uh but I think that Mariano, again, he's pretty much Anderson Silva Artem Lobov. Need I say more? Alright, next up we got Sajara Eubanks against Betz Kohea. You guys know that I love fading Betz Kohea, but I don't know if this is the price that I would look to do that at. So, minus 250 is just what you can get um, Sajara Eubanks at. Um, she has good, uh, she has decent striking. Uh, you know, she kind of lit up Roxanne Matafari. Uh she has decent grappling, even though he's she was completely outworked and murked <laughs> pretty much by Aspen Ladd. Um I think that Betch Kohea is gonna have some trouble here against Sejara Eubanks. Uh, you know, Betch just doesn't throw with the best um with the best technique. She's very sloppy with her striking. I don't think she's good at all. Um Sajara Eubanks, you know, not the greatest fighter either. However, I do believe that. Uh, she can definitely win this fight with the better footwork, uh, the better technical striking, which I'm not going to say it's the greatest, but it's definitely better than whatever Bech Kohei is going to be throwing at her. Um, the only way I see Bech actually winning this fight uh, is just constantly moving forward, getting the takedowns, uh, but I don't know if he, she even wants to take this fight to the ground either because I think Sajar Eubanks could definitely have uh, an advantage could have a slight advantage there. If anything, Betch might be slightly stronger. We got to remember that Sajar ubanks you know, she could never really make 125. Maybe 135 could be her home, uh, but she just seemed to get completely overpowered by Aspen Ladder in the last fight. I'm picking Sajar Eubanks to win because I don't think highly of Betch Um, but I am not betting her, nor am I thinking of putting her in a parlay, uh, but I will still pick her to win this fight. All right, next up we got Vinicius Mohea against Paul Craig. Uh, these guys, you know what? Let me just pull this over here. There we go. Bang. Uh, Vinicius Milhea, minus 120, Paul Craig, plus, two, plus 100. This is almost like a, this is pretty much a grappler's delight. Uh, and knowing that simple fact, this will probably turn out to be a striking battle. <laughs> um. I think that Vinicius Vinicius Mojia doesn't have a great gas tank. I think that Paul Craig will have the gas advantage here. I think that uh, the the jiu-jitsu is a little bit of a wash. However, if one guy can rock the other, I think he's going to have the advantage to be able to latch onto any type of submission. Uh, Vinicius is just so, so sloppy on the feet. Paul Craig makes no bones about it. He wants to get this fight to the ground, but I think this is the first time he's really gone up against a guy uh, that has equal, if not better-ish, who knows, uh, submission game than that he does. So I really don't know how this fight's going to play out. The one thing that is intriguing to me was the the fight doesn't go to decision. However, however it's sitting at minus 230 right now. I don't know if I would want to play that. Uh, maybe. I don't know. If it gets below minus 200, I might think about taking a small poke at it. However, I like uh, I like Paul Craig um, to pretty much out-cardio Vinicius mohea here, stay out of any bad uh, chokes or anything like that, uh, any submissions, and I think that he'll pull off the victory here against Vinicius mohea I'm going to say third-round TKO. Uh, maybe if even Vinicius gives up some sort of submission uh, after gassing, I believe. Uh... Unfortunate that Jimmy Crude has a Kimura victory over Paul Craig. Um, But I think that Craig was just getting beat in that fight, too. All right, next up we got Sergio Perez against Tyson Nam. Minus 280 on Sergio Perez, plus 240 on Tyson Nam. Both guys are great stand up strikers or stand up fighters. Uh, I think uh, Sergio Perez has more of that Taekwondo background. Uh, you know, he has, I believe he'll have a little bit better movement here than Tyson M. I think that he'll have the better jujitsu as well than Tyson M. Uh, will he be able to get Sergio or Tyson Nam down? I'm not hundred percent sure. Uh, I see this fight mainly playing out on the feet. I could see a possible finish too. Plus 180. Ooh. And the price is getting better. I might take a small poke at Sergio Perez versus Tyson Nam. uh, It'll probably be like over under two and a half. I might take a small poke at under two and a half whenever that line comes out. Plus 180 for the fight doesn't go to decision. Uh, but I like, uh, you know, Tyson M uh, likes to strike. Sergio Perez likes to strike. I think there's going to be a lot of openings for these guys uh, to, to land on each other. And I think, uh, I know I've seen Tyson M get clipped in the past. Uh, you know, he has been dropped, especially by his last opponent as well. Uh. In a fight that pretty much went all five rounds, I believe it did, yeah. He won a decision victory over Shojin Miki, who's a guy that's 6-4 and and was landing quite a lot on Tyson Nam. So that's got to be kind of concerning. I think that Sergio Perez has the stinging... Uh, ability to kind of put Tyson Am on his butt. Maybe he could catch a submission from there. Uh, I do like Sergio Pettis. I think the odds are just a little bit too wide, uh, but I do definitely find a little bit of value on the fight doesn't go to decision, so I might be betting that. I highly suggest that you guys wait until the under 2.5 gets, gets out or comes out. That's what I think I'm going to do as well. Uh, we could probably even get plus 200 if the odds keep trending in this range. Uh, but I do like just how these guys match up stylistically. And you know, Sergio Perez hasn't really had a finish in any of his UFC fights since he fought Ryan Benoit way back at UFC One Eighty Five. However, with the way these guys line up, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see either of them uh, get a finish. Um, so I do, I do like again. I it all comes down to stylistically how these guys fight. Um, it could be one guy himself having that reckless abandon, having that um, that ingredient that I talk about. That will almost surely uh, notch a, a fight-doesn't-go-to-decision bet. However, in this case, it's just how these guys are able to to match up with each other. Both guys are hittable. Both guys have some stinging power. And then I like Sergio Pettis's ground game as well to possibly follow up with the submission after dropping Tyson uh, Nam. Tyson, uh, but... Nam's been around the fucking scene, and if if most of you, most of you guys were you know have been fans for uh, of MMA for a long time, like pre conor as well, uh, you'll remember that he upset Eduardo Dantas, who was the who was the current, or sorry, who was the the bantamweight champion of Bellator at the time. He took a fight for Shuto, and then he got finished on one round uh, by Tyson Nam. Uh, but then after that, he kind of went on a little bit of a dry spell. Lost to Marlon Moraes, no biggie. Lost to Corey Bollinger. The biggest name lost to Jeremy Labano, Jeremiah Labiano, who just lost to um Gallagher, whatever the fuck his name is, James Gallagher, and then he lost to Fernando Vieira after that. But since then, you know, he beat the guy that beat Rachel Ostovich, unfortunately. Uh, had a big last second win over Ali Bagoutinov, Um, yeah, he, he's put together a pretty impressive record after that fourth. Uh, four-fight losing streak that he was on between 2013 and 2014. Uh, And I think that this is kind of the perfect time for him to really get into the UFC. Uh, 35, unfortunately, but at least he still has uh, some power, I believe. And I think this is a perfect matchup for him, too. So I'm going to go with uh, Sergio Pettis here, though. I think that he drops Tyson Nam and he locks on a submission, and we get a finish, let's say, second round. All right, next up, we got... Angela Hill versus Ariane Carnelosi. Carnelosi gives me a little bit of a Wagner Prado type of uh, vibe. One with how she looks, and two her physique. I would say okay, maybe like a John Lindker type body, and. Uh, a Wagner prototype face. And she fights like both of them. She she likes going forward. She likes uh, pretty much striking, breaking these girls. Uh, she, in her last fight against Caitlin Souza, she pretty much rocked the girl right off the bat and then continued to put the pressure on her and then eventually beating her by body kick uh, near the ending of the third round. <clears throat> I like her style. She could easily win uh, against Angela, Angela Hill based on forward movement and uh, striking. I think that Angela Hill is going to be able to hit her more, uh, you know, Ariane is definitely hittable with the style that she brings, so it's going to come down to what judges really, um, what the judges really favor in that aspect. Um, is it going to be Angela Hills counter striking, or is it going to be Ariane's uh, forward movement um, and just you know lo- looking like she has the octagon control? Um, so I wouldn't mind a small bet on Ariane Carnelosi, uh, you know, especially at plus money. Uh, I'm gonna look into this fight a little bit more. However, uh, just just based on do, those two things alone and what I've seen from uh, Ariane, um I think that she has just with her style alone. I think she has a good chance of beating uh, Angela Hill here. Let's see. Carnelosi by decision is plus one ninety, and her to win inside the distance is plus four sixty five. But uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna take Carnelosi by decision. Uh, I, ju- I just don't think highly of Angela Hill anymore. You know, after she let me down with that Ronda Marcos armbar, you got to question her um, fight IQ. you got to question the fact that, you know, she's coming off another loss to Gianna and Yan. Uh, but I like, I like Carnalosi here. And I think she stretches it to 13 wins and one loss. Uh, I'm going to take her by decision. <clears throat> let me get some more water, sorry. And I don't know why I even just coughed into the mic like a dumbass. alright, let's get back into this Marco Polo Reyes against Kyle Nelson this fight's lined very closely as well minus 125 for Kyle Nelson plus 105 for Marco Polo Reyes Polo Reyes has been on a little bit of a tough stretch two straight finishes uh, last one relatively quickly against Drew Dober who just put him out quickly one minute and seven seconds into the fight with a left cross great win for him I'm I liked the the improvements that Polo Reyes showed in his fight against uh, Demir Hadzevich. Uh, you know, he went out there and quickly finished Mafravolo with a one minute into the first round, so we didn't really get to see much of his game. but we know that he's a good striker. He used to be durable, especially in that fight against Lil Dong. Um, but I think that's slowly coming back to bite him in the butt now. Uh, he's 34 years old. Uh, this is going to be his 15th fight. Kyle Nelson, though, throws, throws a lot of heat. Uh, he still won this in the UFC after he lost to Diego Ferreira, which he took on short notice. And then Matt Sales, he lost via arm triangle choke in the end of the first uh, end of the third round. Um, I like Kyle Nelson here, especially with the odds so close and how Marco Polo Reyes has been looking. Uh, Kyle Nelson throws with a lot of heat. I think that he'll be successful in finding Polo Reyes' chin. Uh, I think he could put him out. See what the fight doesn't go to decision. Minus 265 on the fight doesn't go to decision. Way out of my range, I believe. <clears throat> so I'm going to stay away from that. But I like this fight. I like I like this fight uh, for Kyle Nelson. I think he finishes Polo Reyes. You know what? I'm going to retract my statement about minus 265 being too out of my range. I'm going to see where that line is a little bit later this week. I might even hammer that shit too. I already have a lock of the night play, uh, that I've played, um, which I'm going to get into later in this card. However... Uh, now that I'm thinking about it uh, a little bit harder, I do like Paul Reyes and Kyle Nelson does not go to decision. So I'll definitely look into that a little bit further once we get into, uh, into this, more into this fight week. It's only Monday, guys. All right. Uh, so I'm going to take Kyle Nelson by first round KO. Uh, yeah. Just watch out for his hands. He has heavy, heavy hands. Next up, we got Jose Alberto Quinones versus Carlo Huachin. So this is actually the first play I've made of the card, um, Carlos Huachin is around plus 130 right now. Jose Quinones is minus 150. Starting off with Huachin, who I actually have a bet on. He's coming off a loss to Hany Barcelos, but Barcelos is a motherfucker. So you can't really bang on him for that. Uh, But in his last fight, um, he was able to get the finish against uh, Marcelino Cavalcante. This guy throws with such heat. And he shows decent takedown defense. So I think that even if uh, Quinones is trying to take this fight to the ground, he's not going to be able to. I think Huachin uh, <clears throat> is going to be able to land early and often on Jose Quinones. And he's going to make it very hard for Quinones to complete any type of takedown. Uh, Carlos, just throw, like I said, he throws with a lot of heat. He loves his overhand right. Uh, he has very good uppercuts as well. But with Jose Alberto Quinones, this guy makes no doubt about it. This guy even tattooed on his chest jiu-jitsu, which is unfortunate that he got tapped out in his last fight against Nathaniel Wood. However, uh, that's where he feels most most comfortable in his fights. I think that's where he wants to try to get Carlos Huachin, but Huachin is very difficult to take down, and uh, Cononas doesn't really have the best takedowns per se. Um, He's decent on the feet, but he doesn't throw with much, uh, you know, reckless abandon, or doesn't really have much power behind those hands, and I think that Carlos Watchin, as long as this fight stays on the feet, is going to have a lot of success against Quinones, and I think he could definitely finish him as well. So, I like the fight doesn't go to decision in this, strictly due to the fact that, um, you know, if wants to, it could knock him out, and then you got Quinones who could possibly submit him. Plus 135 for the fight doesn't go to decision. It opened at plus 150, so, man, I'm liking a lot of these fight doesn't go to decision odds. <laughs> so this might be another underdog uh, fight doesn't go decision that I take, or you know what, Sergio Perez versus Tyson. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for the under two and a half, uh, and then we'll see what they set. The Huachin Kanona's one. I think they'll set it at minus or sorry at over under one and a half. Uh, if that's the case, I'll probably look at banging on the uh, the under or sorry the the fight doesn't go to decision straight uh, at plus money, which it currently is at. So I'll wait for the over under to come out first before I make my decision on it. But I do like the fight doesn't go to decision. And I do like Carlos Huachin uh, to finish him in the first round. Need some water. <clears throat> All right. This is a very creaky chair. <laughs> All right. Next up. So, like I said, Carlos you know, Huachin, uh, my first round KO. Uh, and also, one thing I want to say before I finish off with that fight. I don't like double dipping on fights. You know what I mean? I don't like betting on more than one thing in a fight. I probably should have just bet uh, Carlos Huachin inside the distance, which is right now at plus 335. Holy shit balls. I feel like that's going to get bet down by the time you guys see this. So, if you guys see this and you can get plus 300 or better on and inside the distance, I would definitely take a small poke on that. All right. Uh, next up, Martin Bravo against Steven Peterson. This is another banger of a fight, and another fight that I am surprised is that plus money for the fight doesn't go to decision. So I was thinking about betting Steven Peterson, but I think I'll just go with the fight doesn't go to decision at plus money. What the fuck, guys? This is insane. I'm gonna, I am going to bet that. I am more than likely going to bet that. Let's break down as to why I would want to bet that. So let's start off with Steven Peterson. You know. He's gone to a decision in his last three, four, four fights. Uh, but the way that this guy fights is pretty much forward, wants to strike, uh, wants to pretty much lay the heat on you and the pressure on you. And the way Martin Bravo matches up with him too is this is a guy that likes to you know, counter-strike. He has great hands. He has a lot of power behind his hands too. Unfortunately that he couldn't get the win over Alex Caceres last time around. However, I thought he had a good chance of even winning that fight. Or you could even get it to him due to the fact that it was a split decision. Uh, I thought he won that fight too. I'll just say that. But with Steven Peterson, this guy is tough and gritty as fuck. I think both guys have opportunities to finish this fight. Both guys are good strikers. Both guys get a little bit wild at times, so they leave themselves open to get hit. Uh, and Steven Peterson, you know, unfortunate that the funny thing is both of these guys are coming off of losses to Alex Caceres, who doesn't really hit the hardest either. Uh, but with Steven Peterson and Martin Bravo, these guys throw a lot into their punches. Unfortunate run for Steven Peterson, through one in three in his last four fights. Uh, you know, the Brandon Davis fight was a fucking war. Uh, but I think Martin Bravo, uh, is going to have a little bit more heat on his punches too, to make it even more likely to not go to a decision. <clears throat> Luis Pena, always playing the fight safe, being able to keep the fight on the outside and being able to control the distance. Uh, you know, picked apart Steven Peterson there. <clears throat> and then Alex Caceres, you know, moving, uh, moving footwork, all that shit just to get the decision uh, victory over Steven Pearson. <clears throat> I think I like Steven Pearson a little bit better here. Um, I think he's the better all-around fighter. I think he has the better uh, he has the advantage on the ground. I think his tough and tough and gritty style is going to be able to you know keep him in the fight. Uh, but Martin Bravo, if he's able to land that one bingo shot, he should be able to put Steven Pearson out or at least hurt him enough to go in for a finish. Um, again, I like the fight doesn't go to decision here. I would lean towards Steven Peterson if you guys are forcing yourself to bet on this fight. Especially with the fight being at plus, or sorry at even money. You're pretty much certain to go straight ahead and bet uh, Steven Peterson. Uh, he might even get to plus money. Not 100% sure. Might get some Mexico love coming in on Martin Bravo. Uh, but again, not 100% sure. So I'm going with Steven Peterson by, I want to say, a third round KO. It's going to be a war up until that point. Uh, but I do like the fight doesn't go decision again. Currently sitting at plus 155. I might look to hit that. Uh, instead of the um, Carlos Huachin and Jose Quinonez doesn't go to decision, strictly due to the fact that I already have money on Carlos Huachin. So, I'm taking Steven Pearson, third round TKO. Next up, we got Irene Aldana against Vanessa Mello. I'm going to gloss over this fight real quick because it's pretty simple. Irene Aldana, great fighter from the outside, is able to really uh, implement her counter-striking game, match with her footwork. As long as she doesn't allow Vanessa Mello to back her up like Raquel Pennington is and kind of win the fight strictly based off of cage control and 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 pushing the fight the way that she wants, even though she's getting hit. Um, I think Pennington does a much better job of that than M- Vanessa Mello is able to. So I think that Van- Vanessa Mello may try to implement that forward pressure. But I think all these shots uh from Irene Aldana are gonna uh you know, they're gonna they're gonna add up, uh they're gonna hurt Vanessa Mello. Uh, and I think that uh, Irene Aldana runs away with the uh, decision victory here. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of holes in Vanessa Mello's game. I wouldn't even be surprised to see Irene Aldana try to take this fight to the ground, but I think that she'll be comfortable enough on the feet uh, to pick apart Vanessa Mello, bust her up, and get a decision victory from the judges. That brings me to the next fight, which I have a lot of that I play on. Askar Askarov against Brandon Moreno great fight for both guys uh Askar making his UFC debut while Brandon Moreno is coming back after a one-fight stint in the LFA where he won their title uh, and gets the callback to the UFC to fight in his home country of Mexico let's start off with Askar Asgrov. great fighter all wins by finishes he's 10-0 he's the ACB champion uh he shows pretty much a complete MMA game and his fight against uh, Rasul, I can't even say the guy's last name, so I'm not even going to bother. Uh, he comes in and he, he gets taken down uh, and, you know, shows a pretty active guard, I won't lie. Uh, is always attacking for submissions, trying to throw his legs up. He eventually gets the guillotine choke, uh, you know, after multiple attempts at like getting up. And he did get up, so I'm not too worried about that. Um, so great, great win for him there. The Anthony Leon fight, great fight for him there. <laughs> But the one fight that I was very much interested in was the Jose Maria Tome fight. Uh, the last time he fought him, uh, it went a great five rounds, uh, and then eventually Askarov was able to get the finish in the last round via rear naked—nope, very, via Bravo choke. Uh, That was a great win for him, strictly due to the fact that he showed a lot of great uh, wrestling in that fight. Uh, He showed that he was able to deal with the guy that strikes as awkwardly as Otome, which Brandon Moreno kind of does as well. Uh, And then he showed that he's able to get up as well if these fights are ever taken to the ground. And he submitted a BJJ black belt. Brandon Moreno has been taking a lot of time to do grappling competitions and grappling tournaments uh, since he got let go from the UFC the first time. But I think that's not going to make a difference here against Askarov, who I think is going to be the stronger fighter, um, the more the more well versed grappler. Uh, I think I think he's going to have. Uh, even if he gets taken down by Moreno, I don't see him getting subbed. I think he has a good enough get-up game as well to get himself out of those bad positions, and I think that he can win the scrambles against Brandon Moreno as well. I think he'll have no problem taking Moreno down, and I don't think he have much issue kind of controlling Moreno as well. I'm not going to lie; Moreno does a good job of getting back to his feet. He showed that against in his last fight uh, against uh, Mikhail Perez, uh, who's a great, uh, great Cuban wrestler. Uh, however, uh, you know, I think that the gas tank really played a factor there for uh, Perez, and I think that Moreno was able to, you know, hurt him, obviously, on the feet, and then get the finish with some ground and pound. Uh, I don't think that is going to have that that uh, type of... Askrov's not going to have those issues with his gas tank. I know this is in Mexico City, which has, you know, a higher altitude and Fighters are going to gas quicker. I get that 100%. But Askarov has shown that he can go five rounds without much issue and still get finishes in there as well. So I think Moreno is going to be very well conditioned for this fight. I think Askarov is going to be very well conditioned for this fight. Both guys are not going to have any type of cardio dump in my opinion. And I think that Askarov is actually going to come out of this fight uh, with a decision victory. Um, I think that he controls Moreno. Um, I like Moreno's toughness. You know, one thing you got to give Moreno as well is he's come up against a lot of elite competition. Uh, Let's just look at his last two fights uh, before he got kicked from the UFC or his last three fights. He had a rear naked choke win over Dustin Ortiz. He lost to Sergio Perez via decision, and then he lost to Alexandre Pantoja by by decision as well. Um, Very durable guy, Um, and I think that. Uh, he's going to show that durability against Askarov as well, but I think he's going to get handled for all three rounds as well. So I love Askarov in this spot. Very disciplined striker, very good grappler. He has all the advantages over Brandon Moreno. I love fading. I love fading Brandon Moreno as well. It's been very profitable for me, and I think I can call this fight as well. And I think that Askarov makes his name in the UFC by coming in and getting a victory over Askar. or sorry, over Brandon Moreno here. Alright, next up we got Carla Esparza versus Alexa Grasso. Uh, Carla Esparza coming into this fight after her victory over uh, Verna Jandiroba. She got a decision victory there where she completely grinded her out. Uh, Verna, you know, very dangerous on the feet. Carla Esparza was able to hang around enough to implement her grappling game. And I think that we might get the same type of fight here against Alexa Grasso. You can't really compare Carla Esparza and Tatiana Suarez know, we saw the differences between them. Uh, obviously, when Carlos Fazza and Tatiana fight, uh, but I think that Carlos Fazza's wrestling pedigree alone is going to be enough to get Alexa Grasso down. I don't think it's going to look as vicious as Tatiana against Alexa Grasso did, but I think that Carlos Fazza is going to be able to steal enough rounds uh, and steal enough takedowns uh, to come away with the decision victory here. So her at plus money is actually a little bit intriguing. It's getting closer to a little bit around even money. So I'm going to wait out throughout the week. I think there might be some more money. Coming in on Alexa Grasso, so that might give us a better price on Carlos Esparza, but I'm going to take Esparza by by decision, you know. Grasso has great stand-up, and I think she's obviously going to have the advantage there, but I don't think she does a good enough job in terms of keeping her distance, especially more against these girls that are grapple-heavy. Again, not comparing Tatiana and Carlo Esparza, but they do have the same type of game plan, which is kind of get this fight to the ground uh, and try to work their game from there. Tatiana a little bit more aggressive than a Carlo Esparza, but I think that Esparza opens up a lot of uh, advantages for herself once she, once she is able to get this fight to hit the mat. So I'd like her at plus money. I'm going to take her to, to win by decision, but if Grasso's able to stuff those takedowns, it's going to be a long night for Carlos Esparza, so I'm going to be a little bit worried about betting Carlos Esparza, however, if her odds get to like a plus 150 or something, somehow miraculously, like the best price price you can get on her right now is plus 105, I wouldn't really take the shot right now, I would wait till it gets a little bit better, Um, and by all means, if you guys somehow get Alexa Grasso in the minus 110, plus 100 range, I think that she's worth the bet as well, but Y'all know me. I favor the grappler, and that's definitely something I do in this fight as well. So I'm taking Carla, D- Carla Esparza by decision. Next up, we got our main event of the evening. We got hometown boy Yair Rodriguez, who's coming off a last-second monumental victory over Korean zombie Chan sung Jung, one of the craziest knockouts we'll ever see. Uh, you know, crazy elbow, reverse elbow, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And Chan sung uh, you know, I believe he was on his way to a victory. I thought he was going to win that fight. However, uh, he comes up short by second and Yair Rodriguez gets a crazy finish there. So um, that fight was almost a year ago, which is ridiculous that Yair Rodriguez hasn't fought since then. I believe he broke his foot or something. He had some sort of injury coming off of that fight. Uh, But here he is fighting another guy and Jeremy Stevens, who's going to be able to put it on him. I think that Uh, A lot of people are comparing Yair Rodriguez and Zabiz Magoman Shiropov. And on first look, yeah, they kind of look similar in terms at least the way they fight. But I got to give the edge to Zabit in terms of better uh, footwork, better distance management, better in and out striking without getting hit as bad or hit as hard. Um, And that's where I think that the difference maker is. I am certainly shocked that this fight is lined as closely as it currently is. Um, I'm looking to get Jeremy Stevens at plus money. I am almost 2.5 units percent sure. <laughs> 2.5 unit percent? That sounds so fucking stupid. I am either 2.5 or 3 units deep on Jeremy Stevens in this fight because I think he's going to land on Yair Rodriguez. Uh, Yair gets hit doesn't use his footwork to the best of his ability. He does a good job with his kicks to try and maintain his dis- distance in some of these fights. But when guys are really putting it on him and they like that forward pressure, I think that's where Yair Rodriguez really breaks. So I think that Jeremy Stevens is going to have a lot more success than some of these guys. And I think that he might even be able to put out Yair Rodriguez. Um, he has a lot of heat. Uh, he has a good jab. Uh... You know, a lot of people are just banking on Jeremy Stevens from his last fight against Zabit, kind of just winging shots, trying to look for these shots, but uh, Zabit does a lot better jo- better of a job circling out, moving his feet uh, than I believe Yair Rodriguez does. The one interesting thing here, though, is the only reason I'm not really going lock of the night deep on Jeremy Stevens is if Yair Rodriguez tries to change the game up and tries to go more takedown heavy. I don't think that's actually going to happen, and I do believe in Jeremy Stevens' uh take down defense enough to that he's going to be able to keep this fight on the feet. I'm just worried more so about the fact that how much it's going to throw off Jeremy Stephens' game. The guy is a vet. Somebody put out a crazy stat out there that he has the most losses in UFC history, but he's hung around for this fucking long. How, how long has Jeremy Stevens been in the fucking UFC? He's 28 and 16. Uh, he made his UFC debut at UFC 71, which was 2007. May of 2007. So 12 years ago, and he has, he has uh, you know, he has a, a litany of losses scattered throughout his record. He's currently on a two-fight losing streak, but to Jose Aldo in a fight that he was doing decently in, I want, you know, possibly could be winning until he got hippo with that body punch. And then Zabima Magomedsharipov, who's probably one of the best fighters in that division right now. With that said, I love Jeremy Stevens's, uh, you know, he showed off his power against Duhu Choi, against Josh Emmett, and then he put on a great striking clinic against Gilbert Melendez. I think that, you know, he might let the first round or two slip away from him, but I think that with the consistent pressure, the more that he's going to continue to land, I think it's going to discourage Yair more and more. I think Yair is going to gas a little bit. Um, you know, you can say what you want about him landing that hair-mary shot at the end of the fight. That was, it was a 2 to tango thing right there where, uh, Korean Zombie got a little bit too crazy and Yair Rodriguez threw a hammery shot and it landed on the on the chin and put him out. You know, I'm not calling it a fluke, but I don't think that we're going to see Jeremy Stevens get caught with something like that. Just being honest. Um, I love Stevens in this position, man. I could see a case for people saying that Yair Rodriguez might be able to outpoint him and, and just pick him apart from from distance. But I've just seen Yair get hit way too much. You can't tell me that he doesn't get hit. you got to look at how he looks after that, that Chan sung Jung fight, and I think that Jeremy Stevens hits a lot harder than him, too. Um, and then once Jeremy really gets going, he gets his combinations going, and then I think he's just going to continuously uh, jab Yair's face off, and then he's going to start taking over maybe after that one-and-a-half round mark. Um, I don't see him getting finished. Uh, he's always had a notoriously good gas tank. Um, how the, the, the altitude plays here, who knows, uh, but I truly believe in Jeremy Stevens here, and I think that it's a steal that he's even at even money right now. But I I have heard cases from other people that Yair Rodriguez, uh, you know, deserves to be the favorite here. He should win this fight. So with that narrative out there, I'm happy that people are taking Yair Rodriguez. Um, they should bet on him, and then maybe I'll get a good price on Jeremy Stevens. But I am looking to bet him. I'm waiting till we get that plus money. Uh, at least on some of my sites, he's plus money at Sports Interaction, but I don't really use that site. Um but I like Jeremy Stevens here and I think we're, we're gonna get at least like uh maybe a plus one twenty five ish on him. So I like Stevens. I think that uh I'm gonna say fourth round KO of Yair Rodriguez. He starts piling it on midway through the second, beats him up in the third, and then overwhelms him in the fourth and gets the finish there. So I'm taking Jeremy Stevens uh by finish. Think he has a really good opportunity too. And a very unfortunate loss for Yair Re- Rodriguez, because I think that kind of cheats us of uh getting ever getting the beat versus Yair, which should uh, technically be a very uh, entertaining fight. Um, I think Zabit would still win that fight. I think he was a pretty heavy favorite going into that fight the first time they booked that. Uh, But uh, I think this is the beginning of the decline for Yair Rodriguez, and we may eventually either see him in combates or... Or Bellator. I'm not saying right off the bat. I think he could still get some victories in the UFC. Don't get me wrong. However, I think that the UFC probably wouldn't even be mad to cut him either. If you guys remember that he was putting up a lot of fuss about fighting Zabit. They cut him. He begged or whatever the fuck happened. And then he got his way back into the UFC. Um, but yeah, it's 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 tough for me to see him be in the operational echelon of fighters. Uh, and if he goes out there and completely outspoint Jeremy Stevens, I will be very impressed. And I will... I'll take it on the chin, but I really think that this is Jeremy Stephens' fight to win, and he has the perfect, uh, you know, perfect hands, uh, perfect veterancy, perfect experience, I should say, um, and the movement to do it as well. So uh, he's gonna have to, you know, endure that first round and a half, but I think that once he starts landing on Yair Rodriguez, it's gonna be his game, and he's gonna take it from there and get that fourth round finish. So bang! There's a couple dog plays for you on the card right there. Um, one that I've already played in Claudio, or sorry, in Carlos Huachin. Got my lock of the night play on Askar Askarov, uh, and then I'm looking to play. Um, fight doesn't go to decision. I can't fucking even use this mic right now. But the fight doesn't go to decision. I, I believe the the Bravo and Peterson fight, uh, possibly lock of the night on Nelson Polo Reyes. Fight doesn't go to decision. I uh, want to see where that line shakes out to, uh, and then the under in the Sergio Pettis Tyson Nam fight. I think those fights definitely have really good value uh, in terms of uh, not going to decision or at least going under 2.5, which I believe the Sergio Pettis and tyson nam fight should be. But I'm going to be going uh, at least 2.5 to 3 units deep on Jeremy Stevens as well. Some great, great value here in my opinion. I think there's a lot of great betting lines here. A lot of plays that you guys could look at, but just be wary of your bankroll. Don't go too shit crazy, uh, but I think I'm going to have some, several plays for this card as well, so I'm looking forward to that. That's pretty much it on my end. Um, MMALOTN.ca for everything you guys need from me. At MMALOTN on Twitter. I'm always reachable. You guys can hit me in the comments in this YouTube video, or if you guys are listening on the podcast, just hop on the Twitterverse, hit me up, and I'm always responsive. I always love talking to you guys. That's cool. Make sure you guys subscribe, because that fucking helps a brother out. Uh, like the video. Uh yeah that's about it i'll be back next week to break down i believe it's ufc copenhagen which is headlined by jared cannonier and jack hermanson can't wait to break that one down for you guys tape next for this week and next week is on my site so you guys can get that in the link below or sorry in the bio of the the twitter sorry in the youtube video you can find it in the bio or description and uh it will obviously be posted on my Twitter account as well, so you guys can check that out. Everything you guys need, to click away to help you with your gambling needs uh, on MMA uh, to prep for UFC Mexico City. That's it. I'm done. We're out. Peace. Later.